0: Good evening, church. We're off to a fantastic start already. <laughs> good evening, church. It's great to see you here this evening. If you are outside and you are about to make your way in, uh, you may make your way in and we're about to get started. Uh, and this evening, for our worship through song, I want us to focus on a particular thing. I want us to focus on how big God is, how good the greatness of God and that's going to be a bit of a theme through the songs that we sing. So I want to kick us off by reading from a couple of psalms. that talk about this. So Psalm 145 says this, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Here it is. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And then in Psalm 8, verse 1, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. So we're going to worship God for his greatness. Would you stand and sing with us?
1: Sing, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic... Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic it is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic it is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare your greatness, the oceans cry out. i with the earth, and i
0: give my praise to you. crossing, I will worship
1: Join with the earth and I see you. The heavens away Your greatness. The oceans cry out to You. The mountains they bow down before You. So I'll join with the earth and I give my praise to You. So I'll join with the earth and I give my praise to You. So Join the earth, and give
0: my grace you. let's continue being in this mode of worshiping god for his greatness and remember jesus as he taught his disciples to pray saying to tell them to pray our father hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven
1: to live C'est ma see
0: together as your people as your creator beings whom you dearly love and we come to praise you we come to exalt you because great is the lord and most worthy of praise is greatness no one hath adam so lord we sing and we worship may you be pleased with our worship may you be exalted in our praise i pray in jesus name amen Before I take a seat, turn to someone around you, give them a smile, give them a wave, say something like hello.
2: Philippians 2 verses 9 to 10. Time for us to stretch our memories again. And um, I've got the card here because I learnt this verse when I was a teenager. And the words aren't exactly the same. And I I get them wrong every time I try that song and I have it in front of me as I lead you. Let's say then. Here we go. Philippians 2. 9 to 10, therefore God exalted him to be the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, great, now that means the kids can go, you've helped us out, thanks very much, now we've just got a, um, a few announcements but welcome here anyway, my name's Rod Cousins, I'm one of the elders here. And I get the privilege of talking to you tonight for a couple of minutes. Um, here we go. Some of the uh, things that we need to know connect cards. we always talk about connect cards at be every week and um, uh, they 're a physical copy that should be on our seats, but they 're not tonight. so if you need to fill one in they 're on the uh, uh, desk at the back there. otherwise, use the, uh, the the connection on front of the on the seat in front of you, the QR code, or you can. Um, Get it off the screen behind us as well it's um one of the things that we really like to do just to maintain our connection with each other and uh, to get to know who you are if you're a visitor we'd like to uh, be able to connect with you as well and for those that come regularly we'd like to make sure that uh, you're okay you're well and you're not one of those that's uh, at home with covid as i know a few people are and uh, and if we can help you in any way you can fill it on the card so that uh, uh, we have this opportunity each week to do that. We do come to a time of offering, and while we don't take a physical collection up these days, uh, we do encourage you to do it the COVID-free way of just uh, connecting with your bank and perhaps doing it uh, uh, online. If you do prefer, though, to do it uh, physically, there's a box near the door as you go out and you can uh, put your offering In that, there's envelopes there too if you prefer to use envelopes to put it in in the first place. Let's just pray um, for the opportunity that we have of giving offerings. Father, we just thank you again that you gave the the ultimate offering of your son to us. And as we bring our offerings to you each week, we pray that, uh, that they will be a blessing to us because of the attitude that we've given them, but a blessing to you because you desired us to give it to you. And Lord, we pray again for the wisdom in making these funds available to you and and for the work that they do into the future. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. There's um, a few things that uh, we want to remind you about. One of them is the hour of prayer. Each uh, month we have uh, this time set aside. It's on Wednesday, this Wednesday, a couple of days' time, 15th, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, either here or on Zoom. And uh, I do it on Zoom, and uh, I find that's the, the best way of doing it. It's great to meet new people on Zoom each time that we get together. So um, make a point of connecting. If you're not uh, uh, already on our mailing list, you can put it on your connect card, and we'll connect with you that way as well. But there will be a, um, a link sent out uh, to all those who are on, on the mailing list, email mailing list so that you'll have the link there. Community Coffee Mornings start again, starting again this coming Saturday, 18th of June, uh, 10 o'clock to 12 in the church cafe on site here. Our Community Coffee Mornings are meeting back in the cafe again after a time of uh, not being able to do that because of the uh, COVID issues. But um, we encourage you to come, stop by and uh, meet up with people that are coming past the church at times and have a chat with them. Baptisms, the, um, the Lord calls Christians to be baptised. Baptisms is one of the uh, two church sacraments, the other being communion, and it's an important part of the Christian journey of faith. Jesus himself is baptised and commands us to do the same, and in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, that's spelled out. Baptism is a public declaration of faith and represents us dying to sin and being raised to life with Jesus. So if you're interested in being baptised, or hearing more about baptism, put it on your connect card and we'll be in touch with you. Now the other thing that I need to do is bring you up to date with what's happening with our senior pastor search. Ah, It's a, it's a long journey and I was just trying to think how many, how many hours there would have been spent by people, ranging from Phoebe who's a consultant that's working with us for the many, many hours that she spent on interviews, and the many, many hours that the search committee's done similar and many, many hours that the elders have also done similar as well. I think, uh, just in brief summary, the, um, I think there's something like 48 applicants uh, for the position, um, hardly any from Australia, which was a big disappointment because we were really hoping that we'd be able to get a top-quality person from Australia to come and minister with us here. But it narrowed down in the end to... Uh, I think three people that were very good. Uh, Three of them from North America. I think one Canada and two the US. And uh, the search committee uh, did a lot of work on uh, interviewing them. Unfortunately, mostly at the middle of the night because there's 12 or 13 or 14 hour time difference. And uh, so that was difficult for them and for the other elders that uh, participate in that as well. But uh, anyway, last week, week before now, they, uh, they did come down to one person who they are going to recommend eventually to the church. At the moment we can't give you the name because the person is away and we haven't been able to communicate with him directly. He's on a mission trip into South America, but he'll be back uh, <clears throat> this week I think. And so we're hoping that uh, he'll say, yep, keen to come and have a chat with you at Subi, come and preach here for you to meet him and spend some time getting to know him before we actually then go to a, at some point in the future, a, a church meeting and a church vote to see if we'll have them to come and minister with us. So it's um, taken some time. Uh, I think the, the, the issue right at the moment is for them to get a visa. Uh, it used to be really quick. Um, I think you could get a visa in a day or two previously, but someone told me the other day that's probably taking six weeks or more to get visas at the moment because of the backlog with people suddenly deciding to uh, want to travel. So keep that in your prayer, prayers that uh, that will come out and work well. I think you'll be, you'll be encouraged, I'm sure, and we'll give you some more details that you can check out later. But let, let's just pray for a minute. Father, we thank you for bringing us this far on this journey of looking for a senior pastor. We take the time to look back on the last nine and a half years of Ben's ministry here, and we would uh, look forward into the future and uh, have a desire that we see a ministry that, has got the same capacity or even more than what Ben's brought to us and uh, we thank you for that uh, aim that the level of the, the target that we need to meet to be able to bring something to the church that is uh, as what we're used to here. And Lord we pray that uh, as we continue in this process of discerning your will we pray for the people that we've been talking with and we pray Lord for their certainty to where you're leading them into the future lord we look forward to the way that you're smoothing out in front of us that uh, this person particularly will be able to come and spend time with us in the very near future so lord we leave it in your hands and we are encouraged by what you've done so far we look forward to the future with you in jesus name amen
0: good evening everyone this week's bible reading is taken from psalms chapter one Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction.
3: Thank you, Poen. We have uh, Psalm 1, and we're going to be looking at that. Now, you know we're doing the life of Elisha, and Psalm 1 is something different, but it's going to help us think about our topics for tonight and bring them together. And a lot of people love Psalm 1. And I want you to love it and enter into what it is teaching and what it means to us. And take it seriously. The whole idea of this this series on Elisha is we're going to talk about taking God seriously. And if you look at Psalm 1, it's very clear the psalmist is saying there's a blessed person, like a tree planted by streams of water. And then there is the one on the way of destruction that's like chaff. And what we want to be is those people who delight in our God and in his word. And God's prophet, in Elisha's day, was Elisha, and he would proclaim the word of God. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer once again. And uh, as Rod has said, by the way, Rod's going to be there on, on Zoom. I'm going to be in person, so in the cafe. You're welcome to join us either way. The prayers are all the same to the Lord. But uh, wherever you, but we just want you to join us, that's all I can say. It, it is a really special hour. You also know that there's so many things we've got to pray for, need to pray for, and we'll continue praying for the, the senior pastor process, and it's, it's a lot of effort that's already gone into it, and we need to continue to pray, and the more I pray, the, the more the Lord just gives me joy that he has something special for this church, but we need to pray. We want to continue praying for what's happening in our world, for uh, the needs of our nation, and for those around us and for our church family. We always want to pray for our missionaries, and that's a key time that we just say, yeah, we want to take time to hear what the, is happening to those who are joining us, and some of them will join us even from overseas. And so let me ask you to just take one hour, 60 minutes, and pray with us on Wednesday night, seven to eight. And I'm going to give you a moment to just pray silently, right where you are. And what are the burdens, what are the concerns, what are the praises that the Lord brings to your heart and to your mind? Ask the Spirit of God to guide and direct your prayers right now. And pray that God would speak to you, and that his word would not return void in your life. Father, we have sung praises to you. And recognize that you are the Ancient of Days, the all wise God, the one who is majestic in all the earth. And Lord, we know that you are the living God, and you desire a relationship with us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we praise you and rejoice that we have hope, forgiveness, salvation, and the Spirit of God indwelling us. Father, it's in that Spirit that we want to pray and ask for your grace for our world, for our nation, for our church, for those who are our loved ones, friends, family members who are going through challenging or difficult times, some who are facing serious illness, others who are facing grief. others who are simply facing challenges in life and uncertainty. We look to Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, and we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and may your will be done through us. Bless us now as we enter into your word. I pray that we would be like those trees planted by streams of water, In Christ's name, amen. So we're in Elisha, and we're talking about taking God seriously. So let me start with something that's pretty well known that's happening right now, that has recently happened, at least, was the the Queen's 70th Uh, platinum celebration of 70 years of faithful service. So this is actually uh, from that celebration, so obviously you know who the queen is. And, And you think about it, she is respected, admired, celebrated, and rightly so, for how she's handled herself through very difficult days. The longevity of service is just amazing to us. And yet she just keeps going and being faithful of what she is doing. Now, having said that, I want to go back to the 90s. And this is with the, um, the uh, prime minister in Australia, with, was Paul Keating. And there was an event where he was with the queen. And he put his arm on the queen's back. And this picture hit the British tabloids, And they just went Ballistic. I mean, absolutely ballistic. Now, some of you know, my wife will tell you, I'm not the, the, the biggest royalty admirer in the world. And I get it. There's some etiquette going on here. But here's what they said about um, Paul Keating. Our prime minister back in the 90s is what the tabloids said. They called him, they were incensed, they called him the lizard of Oz. Uh, another uh, tabloid put it this way. Aussies don't give a blank, they just have a bunch of X's, about manhandling the queen. Now, I'm looking at this picture, and I wouldn't necessarily call that manhandling, but, but that's how they viewed it, and they were incensed by just the idea that he would have the right to be able to actually direct or uh, even put his hand on her back, even gently. In that picture. Now, here's what I want you to think about. So while I wouldn't define that as manhandling, the British tabloid apparently did. But what happens if we were to see, if you were to witness someone who blatantly, blatantly mocked the queen to her face? Now, I get it. We're not going to send that person to the Tower of London to be beheaded. That's probably not going to happen. But for many of us, if there was a a genuine insult to her face where she was absolutely mocked, that would raise the anger level in a lot of us, me included. Again, I have a respect for who she is, for what she has done, for her faithful service. I'm not talking about all of her family. I'm talking about her, and I have a great respect for her and we would be incensed, many of us, most of us, all of us, if she were mocked to her face. Now let me get you to think about this. What about taking God seriously? Is it okay to mock God? I I know he's a big guy. I know he can take it, but is it okay for people of our world to mock our Creator King of kings, Lord of lords, the God who loved us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, who reveals himself graciously in his word, is it okay to mock God? Do you have the same sense of emotion as if God is mocked or the queen is mocked? Look over at Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8, and this is what the text says. Paul writes, do not be deceived. So just, no one should be fooled here. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh, they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And so you have this basic thought, don't think for a moment that you or anyone else is going to be able to mock God. It will not stand. It just won't stand. Paul says, don't be deceived. Now, I get it. There's some people who may belittle God and may belittle Jesus, and may belittle Christianity and whatever they want to do, but don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. With that in mind, we're going to look at a story in Elisha's life about the power of the word of God that's going to bring healing to a city called Jericho, and many of us are familiar with the the city of Jericho, at least from the scriptures, and then there's going to be judgment in Bethel. And what I want us to do is think about this, Psalm 1, the tree planted by streams of water. And then those that are chaff, they will not stand in judgment. But there's grace, and then there's judgment. God's wrath is real as well. And we need to deal with both sides of that psalm. Turn me to 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading verse 19. We'll only look at the first part of the story for tonight, verse 19 through 22. And then we'll pick up the second part a little bit later. But I don't want you... Here's the reason why I'm doing it this way. Because if I read the whole story to you, you're going to get waylaid by the second part. You'll you'll say, the first part, oh, isn't that nice? And the second part, you're just like, what's going on there? So we're going to spend a lot of time on the second part, but we're just going to look at the first part first. So I'm going to ask you to stand as I read from God's Word. And hear the word of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. The people of the city said to Elisha, this is the city of Jericho, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water was, has remained pure to this day, according to the word of Elisha had spoken. This is God's word. You may be seated. So the first point, grace removes a curse and brings blessing. So we're going to talk about the curse in just a moment. We'll see that uh, earlier on in the book of Joshua. But here's what's going on in the time of Elisha. According to 2 Kings, even the the first chapter, it says that the people were calling on the false gods of the land. And so that just seemed to be what was going on. People were just calling on false gods because those were the gods of the land, but Elisha's there representing the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now Jericho, again, some of us have uh, some idea geographically that Jericho's near the Jordan River. It's not uh, that far from Jerusalem, but it's in a, a beautiful area, a very nice oasis-type area, and it says that it's well-situated people there say it's well situated, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Uh, So we know there's a critical importance to water. We we recognize that here and everywhere. It's an important deal. It's not just um, for humans. It's for animals and livestock, for agriculture, for bathing, whatever. And if you see a sign that says, don't drink the water, I generally obey that sign. It's not good. So here's the problem in Jericho, they're well situated. It's kind of an oasis in the desert, but the water is contaminated. It causes death and makes the land unproductive. So there's an interesting way of of trying to interpret that phrase, unproductive. The New Jerusalem Bible puts it this way, the water is foul and the country suffers from miscarriages. In other words, it brings death, suffering, illness sickness, death, there's something in the water that's lethal. It's not good. And so we have this miracle. They they come to the man of God, to Elisha, and they ask for help. And so we have this miracle with the, the salt and the prophetic word, God speaking through Elisha, and it brings, quite simply, healing and blessing. And it says, the text says, the water remained wholesome to this day. So there's a spring near Jericho, and I'm going to show you a picture because you can, if you go to Jericho today, there's a spring there, and it says, uh, the oldest city in the world, but they also describe this as, uh, you know, it's down there, Elisha's uh, spring fountain. So there's still the tradition there, even in Jericho today. But the idea is that. The city's been blessed. The town's been blessed because they've got fresh water, and that's what they needed. Now, let me give you the background real fast. Jericho was under a curse, according to uh, Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read that passage, uh, chapter 6, verse 26. So here's what uh, Joshua pronounces. At that time, Joshua pronounced a solemn oath. Remember, there was a marching around the the city of Jericho, the walls fell down, and so forth. He pronounced a solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So there's a curse on the city. It's very clear, even from Joshua's day. We, we know the Old Testament story of marching around the city of Jericho. And the Israelites take it over. And that curse remains. And it's, it's pointed out uh, in, earlier in Kings as well. The curse remains. What's interesting to me is, even though the city's under the curse of God, there's grace. They come to the man of God and ask for a word from God, and God graciously, blesses and heals. Isn't that great? Even though there's a curse, God blesses and heals. And I'm convinced that the reason why he does that is because there's a respect for Elisha and a respect for God's Word. Blessed is the person who takes the Word of God and meditates on it day and night. They are like a tree situated nicely by springs of fresh water. And so Jericho is blessed because they look to God, not the false gods, to the living God. I want you to look again at Psalm 1. And most of the time when we reflect on Psalm 1, we're thinking about the tree planted by uh, the streams of water. But I want to highlight some other things. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And so if you you cling to the false gods, if you pursue the false gods of the land, that's who you're sitting with. But instead, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do prospers, and so here we see a blessing upon Jericho, a blessing. But now, verse 4, are we going to take this seriously as well? Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. In other words, there's judgment. There's no substance there. There's There's no blessing that they bring. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And we say, well, yeah, I love it. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but what about the way that leads to destruction? Is that real as well? And that leads us to our second part, because grace removes a curse and brings blessing. We're going to come back to that later on. But here's the second uh, point. We humbly honor God for his righteous judgment. Psalm 1. We humbly honor God for his righteous judgment. Now here's the story, beginning in verse 23. Just hang on. Here's the story. From there, Elisha, having blessed Jericho, Elisha went up to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy, they said. Get out of here, baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods, and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. That's the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord, and now we got to deal with it. And so we, before we make any preliminary judgments, let's talk a little bit more about the story, and I think I want you to understand what's going on there, at least. Understand the details. Take some time. There's some questions all of us are going to have. I had questions when we read that, and some of you, that's the first time you've heard that story, and it's a little bit shocking, but it's there. Let me just talk uh, briefly. The age of the boys, they are youth, they're young men, they're not children, so these are not six-year-olds, by the way, that are just going out there. Uh, perhaps, and some commentators have said, perhaps they are young prophets of Baal, so they are representing the false gods, potentially. The phrase, uh, baldy, you bald head, it's slang for the day. Baldness was not common in Israel, so it was always taken as a sign of weakness. It was a blatant insult. So whether Elisha is bald or not, I'm not going to say for sure, but nonetheless, the phrase baldy, that was, you know, that's skinhead. That is basically trying to put him down in the vocabulary of the day, They're just trying to insult him to his face. So it was a phrase of disdain, of disrespect, for whom? The prophet of the Lord. The one, as we saw last week, has the power of Elijah, and he has the word of God. And who do they have disdain for, disrespect? Who do they mock? God's word, God's prophets. Go up they say. Now, it's possible they are just mocking him and saying, you know, Elijah went up into heaven. You go up too, but get out of here. Just go up into heaven. That's possible that that's what they mean. I think more likely the go up is the same Hebrew word can be used to basically get out of here. And I think that's how uh, we can see see it uh, phrased in the NIV, just simply get out of here. And so it's an attitude going on as well. And the attitude, with, without uh, you know, using all the words that could be used, it is, get the H-E-L-L out of here. So here's Elisha, prophet of God, walking along the road. He's not even going into the town. He's walking along the road. These boys, organized, it is not just one or two. They come out when they see him. They know who it is. They come out of the town. Probably a walled town. They come out with the explicit desire, intentional, just to mock the prophet of God. That's all they want to do. That's why they came out of town. They're organized. They've got a group. They even have a chant. Do you see that? They've organized a chant to mock the prophet of God. Now, here's what we know. They're not just mocking the prophet of God. They are mocking whom? God himself. They are basically mocking in Israel, Yahweh and his word and his prophet. I just want you to get this image. They basically are giving God the middle finger. That's what they want to do. They just want to mock Him with the vocabulary of their day, with the most disdain that they can give. We're going to talk about the bears in just a moment, but this is what Walt Kaiser says in, in his commentary. And he says this, Elisha did not lose his temper, as some assert, but instead he called on God to vindicate his own name and reputation. Elisha merely announced what God has previously warned about his word as stated in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 21 and 22. So here's the word of God. Moses wrote it, and here's the the text. So he, he cites the text. I'm going to read it again from his quote in his book, but here's what he cites. So here's the next screen. If you remain hostile to me and refuse to listen to me, so hostile to God, refuse to listen to me through the prophet, I will, notice what he says, send wild animals against you and they will rob you of your children. Why is he saying that? Because people are basically saying, we can mock you and mock your word and we get away with it. It's perfectly okay. And God says, no, that's not okay. It's not perfectly okay. Again, let me give you a picture, um, the, so it's a, a challenging story, but we have a children's picture, so I think this might explain the story a little bit better. So, go up thou bald head, I like the King James version there, go up thou bald head, and you notice the, the boys, and in, in Elisha, of course, is bald, uh, and then there's the, the bears peering out from the woods. Uh, what I want to point out is this. This is not just Elisha being sensitive about his hairline, okay? So anyone who wants to take, any any guy who wants to take this and say this, you know, I'm going to use this as my life passage if my hair starts thinning, that's not really what it's about. It's not about a receding hairline. It's about mocking God and his word. And Elisha represented the prophetic word of God on earth, it's mocking God. That's what it's about. Elisha represents the power of God, the word of God, and the youth. Or what are they doing? They know exactly what they're doing. They are mocking God. Now I want to go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, because it may not have meant too much from the first time I read it, but just look at this verse again. Do not be deceived, why are you surprised? God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. This is God acting in righteous justice. It is mockers of God getting what God said they would get. It reaps destruction. You're not gonna be able to mock God. Most of the time, we expect from God, slow to anger, very patient. And justice is delayed, but in this case, justice is not delayed, and so it shocks us. It's the justice of a holy God, where we see that God, in this case, is not going to be patient or slow to anger. He will bring justice immediately, but that's what someone says. Now, let me contrast this, because the greatest injustice in history was Jesus Christ being nailed to a Roman cross. We know that. Jesus hangs upon that cross, and what does he say to the people out there as he prays for them? Father, forgive them. Why? For they know not what they do. They do not understand that they are crucifying the second person of the Trinity, the Holy Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. Yeah, they may know that they shouted out, crucify him, but they didn't fully understand what they were doing. God is gracious and merciful, and Jesus Christ shows that mercy. But in this case, and I want to be very clear on this, this is an intentional case of these young men explicitly wanting to mock God, and they knew exactly what they were doing. And Elisha says, God cannot be mocked. You reap what you sow. And that's what happens in this passage. Now, we praise God that he is patient, slow to anger, and it often shocks us when we see his righteous anger strike out, whether it's Azza when he touches the Ark of the Covenant, or Ananias and Sapphira when they lie to the Holy Spirit. But it does happen. Let me go back to the story. So we have two parts of it, right? We have... Grace, blessing, life in Jericho. You honor the word of God, tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit, productive. And that's the people who listen to the word of God, blessed by it. They receive grace. And then you have these young men in Bethel that just want to mock God it reaps destruction, it's chaff. They will not stand, they're mockers. Some of you haven't ever heard a sermon from this passage before, and we don't want to preach on it every week, but what I want to do is preach the same concepts every week. Grace is given even though we are cursed by our own sin and in rebellion against God, The gospel of Jesus Christ is grace, and it's given freely for those who will receive it. It's grace. It's not what we earn or deserve. We have rebelled against God. We know that. We don't deserve forgiveness and life and eternal life, but God offers it in the gospel. It's blessing. It's grace. But what about wrath? Well, again, think about the cross of Christ. Don't you just think about the cross of Christ where's the wrath of god there it's poured out on jesus christ isn't it his righteous anger towards sin not jesus sin yours and mine is poured out on jesus christ and he bears our iniquities he pays the penalty he is the one forsaken he is the one crucified we're the ones that receive grace and blessing and forgiveness and life. The concepts are the same. There is wrath, God's wrath at the cross. But Jesus Christ takes it upon himself and he bears our sins. It's the gospel. That grace is offered in the word of God. But God is righteous, and sin will be judged. And at the cross of Christ, it is judged. And praise God, Jesus not only said to those around him, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, but he said this, it is finished. You do not have to pay for your sins, because Christ takes them upon himself It is finished. He finishes that work. And even people like you and me can stand clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ because of the gospel of Christ. Let me just say, if you're here right now or listening on our video broadcast, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in him. Receive grace. It's offered. It's offered. It's life, it's forgiveness, it's blessing. The reality is this. Christ on the cross took the penalty for our sins. But there has to be faith. To say, no, I will not believe, no, I will not accept Christ, that final revelation of God, I will not accept him, is to mock God's Savior, is to reject him say, no, I don't want them, I don't need them, I'll do it on my own, whatever you want to say. But the offer is there. Let me give you this by way of application. So I've talked about Psalm 1 as being a key passage. It's that, that psalm that kind of holds the door and it just opens it door to the rest of the psalms. It, it reflects on what the rest of that wisdom of psalms is about. So just six verses, and all I'm going to ask you to do is just read that this week, once, twice, but don't read any less than once. Meditate on it. Think about it. And think about the life you want to live. Blessed is the one, blessed is the one who meditates on the word day and night. There will be blessings. The one who rejects the Word of God, who rejects God, who rejects Jesus Christ. It is the way of destruction. Reflect on it. If you have any questions about what that means, how you can have that certainty that you are on the way to life, we want to talk with you about that. That's the message we want to share. As you look at this passage, it's a tough passage. But what we see is this. Elisha is basically going to say, you need to take God seriously. That message hasn't changed. Blessed is the one who receives Jesus Christ, the grace of God, the Savior. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, we read the first part of Psalm 1, and we want to be like that tree planted by streams of water. Blessed, fruitful, productive. The Lord, we want to heed the warning of the second part of that, that psalm. There's a way that leads to destruction. Father, help us to be witnesses of the way of life way of hope the way of joy and fruitful lives Father keep us from ever even in our mind mocking the God who loves us, who made us in his image help us to pursue you grace, blessing life, forgiveness hope in Christ's name What's interesting is this, when the queen is around, do not touch, don't come too close. But Jesus, the Son of God, comes down and he gives us the bread. He says, this is my body. You take it, you touch it. He comes near and he wants us to share in his life. It's not one of these, stay away. God, who takes on human flesh and allows us to share a relationship with him. As we come to the communion uh, table, the Lord's Supper, it is the Supper of the Lord, not Subi Church. It's Jesus who invites us to this table. If you've put your faith and trust and hope in Christ, if you understand the forgiveness of sins, the joy of knowing that you're in a right relationship with God, then take the bread, take the cup and enter his joy, his presence. If you've never received Christ as Savior, the offer again is offered to you today. It's not what you do. It's what he has done for you. We simply, by grace through faith, receive salvation. Until you've put your faith and trust in Christ, we'd ask that you not partake of the elements because when you take of them, it represents faith. It represents a visible sign of our hope and trust in Christ. And when we, as followers of Jesus Christ, take the bread and take the cup, we remember blessing, grace, forgiveness, mercy. Prepare your hearts for the Lord's Supper. Father, we need to confess. Now, maybe we haven't mocked you as these boys did in Bethel. But there were thoughts and words, perhaps deeds, that we just want to bring before your holy presence and humbly receive your forgiveness, your grace and joyfully receive your love and life. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you that you came, that you took the wrath of God upon yourself, that God has a right to judge sin, that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of Jesus, meet with us right now. Help us to remember grace. In Christ's name. Amen. As we do during these COVID days, we uh, take from the front. So those in the side go to the side and the center come to the center. And let me ask the, the first five, ten rows, go ahead and stand. And as you take the bread and the cup, if you just hold it in a moment, we'll partake together. our scripture at Subi, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ meets with his disciples in the upper room. It's the eve of his betrayal. The next day will be the cross. So he establishes something that evening that we remember today. And until he comes, Jesus gives them the bread and says, This is my body. Take in remembrance. Let's take together. Then he gives them the cup and he says, This is the new covenant in my blood. It's for you. Take in remembrance. Father, you know that we are people that celebrate grace blessing life forgiveness sometimes we have a hard time with justice and yet we recognize you are holy and your justice is right lord i do pray that you would help us to meditate upon you and your promises that we would be those trees planted by streams of water productive, fruitful, bringing glory to you. In Christ's name, amen.
0: As we approach God, let's do it with an attitude of worship and adoration. Would you stand as we sing our last song?
3: What's the greatest commandment in Scripture? And the answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and being. You love Him. You do not mock Him. So the assignment, you know the assignment for the week, right? Psalm 1. It won't take you that long to read it, but if you read it every day, memorize it. But let me just read this again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. We love the Lord with all of our heart. Pray with me. Father, as we go, please bless us, help us, guide us. May we walk in your way and delight in you and in
4: your word this week for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.